1: Welcome to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. I'm your host, Robin LaCrosse. Today, I'm here with my special guest, Alison Armstrong. Alison's exploration of human behavior began in 1991 with her decision to study men to find out how she was bringing out the worst of them and hopefully how to bring out the best. Her success in understanding men naturally led to studying women's behavior and making vital connections between the two. Allison distinguishes human instincts that compel both men and women to behave in ways that contradict and undermine our own purposes, goals, values, needs, and relationships. She offers partnership-based alternatives, giving millions of people access to more fulfilling lives, loving relationships, stronger families, and productive organizations. Allison is a highly sought-after speaker and thought leader amongst people with a desire to live empowered lives. Allison's philosophy and approach is frequently referenced and taught by other authors, speakers, business consultants, and therapists. Allison, I'm so happy that you're here with us today. Thank you for, for joining us. You're welcome. I'm glad to get to be with you in your new show. I know. Hello. I'm so excited. And this is our first interview. So I'm so I'm so honored that you were able to join us today and that you get to be my first guest. So thank you for coming.
2: You're welcome. I'm glad to be your first guest. I love what we have done together before.
1: Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So one thing I wanted to talk about today, you know, because the show is It's about sex, but it's also about supporting parents, and one of the things that I've noticed is that parents, even though they don't mean to do this, often will undermine their relationship with their kids, and so I wanted to kind of start off with talking a little bit about that and the different ways that we undermine our, you know, our relationship with our kids and what we can do to kind of shift those behaviors, because I know that it's an unconscious thing that we're doing here. So can you can you talk a little bit about, about that?
2: Yeah, we could talk about that for an hour. Well, I would say one of the places that it starts is thinking of them as kids or mm-hmm. children or not a person. That's what I found is the most prevalent, that there's something other than people. And that's one of the disciplines that I've taken on in the last year and a half or so is to say young people, Mm -hmm. young people, very young people, but they're young people. And that keeps jarring what I would call, I call it, I call it the old brain, right? The old neuro pathways, the well, well well-worn parts of the brain that we never end up with new perspectives or behaviors or attitudes or anything. If we're, Engaging there, so just even changing it up—if you whatever you call them—you might try calling them something else and see what it does to your brain. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that to be helpful because, you know, as human beings, we we like to have things be certain. We like to have a handle on things, and and if you think of a like a coffee mug, right, there's a handle, and it's an object, right. and our brains just objectify like crazy. And when most people think of objectification, it's usually a woman being upset about being sexually objectified, but we do it all the time. And, oh, he's a teenager. Oh, you know, those prepubescent girls. Oh, well, he's three now. You know how that is. We just, like, put them in a box, put them in a box, put them in a box. And it has this miss. It has this miss who they are. And to me, what is the most fun of watching young people is how quickly they um, develop, how quickly they change. Um, Greg and I had an expression. We, one of our kids would do something and would look at each other. One of the other of us would go, oh, my gosh. She leapt. <laughs> yes, she left. And and it was just this wake up call. Like, oh my gosh, what she just did was in a different realm than anything she's ever done before. Okay, what else is different about her? And um, and then physically we they would do this thing we we called it pork and sprout. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a funny expression. But mm-hmm. th- we just watched our kids, right? They would they would Fill out, right? I guess is a good expression. So they get thicker, right? They they pork, they get rounder, right? And then the next thing we knew, zoom, right? they a whole bunch of height. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. they, and it was the funniest thing to watch, you know, like okay, this is what's happening now. Oh, pork sprout, pork sprout. Yeah, and, nice. and right, <laughs> and it it's so funny to watch their bodies, and and then and then how. They have to relearn right they have to they have to keep learning how their bodies work and it's really good if they're involved in athletics right or something just anything physical because as their body's changing their brains are are remapping the new body and the new body and the new body
3: mm-hmm. and
2: um, and then they say you know movement is the language of the brain so the movement is stimulating the brain and then the brain is connecting to the body. And then there's new things that they can think. And so I think one of the biggest ways we dis, if I was going to summarize it, one of the biggest ways we we disempower our young people is by thinking we know them. Like ever thinking we know them, we understand them, we get them. And, and I was, I mean, the thing that always (laughs) just drove me crazy was Every time they left, what used to work didn't work anymore, Mm -hmm. right? And what used to be smooth is now, you know, it's chaos again. And it really helped when I just started to expect that. Okay, we just got this worked out. Now they're probably
3: changed. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. And I see what you're saying, too. Like, it's really easy, I think, for parents to, you know, think of kids as objects. Like, we know what they need, and so it's easy to, like, dismiss what their needs might be. Oh, it's cold out. You need to wear your coat. But I'm not cold, you know? <laughs> and then there's, like, this whole pattern. Like, if you if a child is growing up feeling like an object, you know, not being heard, being, you know, told what to do and this kind of stuff and not allowed to necessarily think for themselves, then when they're older, then wouldn't it be easy for them to just, like, objectify others or be comfortable with being objectified by somebody else because that's what they grew up use, being used to?
2: Mm, yes. I would say that that's predictable. What I thought you were going to say is, then don't they just objectify their parents?
1: Oh. <laughs> I didn't even think there. I was just yes. thinking of each other. Hmm.
2: Yeah, no, they, we objectify them, they objectify us. Mm -hmm. They don't feel seen, they don't see, I've talked to, you know, so my kids are all grown now, right? Right. They're almost 31, almost 26 and 23. And, and we've talked about some of these subjects that they've been kind of shocked to, meet people with zero curiosity about who they are
3: Mm.
2: and because they grew up with parents who were endlessly curious, who are you now? Who are you now? And, and, and (laughs) the real world was a little odd for them and, but it has them be that way about other people. So who are you? So who are you? Right. And wondering and watching and, and expecting people to grow and change. And, and we just, I don't, it's expressed in so many little things like, well, you know, I, I didn't, I let, I didn't give you any mushrooms cause I know you don't like those. Um, well, she used to not like them. <laughs> mm-hmm. My youngest has taught herself, right? She, she had a boyfriend who had to keep trying and trying and trying all these things. And she found out things she didn't like growing up. Now she likes them.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: and yeah, or, you know, I got this, you know, I know your favorite color is pink. I know your favorite color is blank instead of, is pink still your favorite color? Right. Or just to be willing to not know, and that it, nothing has to be fixed. Do you still like that? Do you still, are you still interested in that?
1: Right, to you be know, curious can- about how, like, how their interests are being shaped currently because things change as they grow yeah makes sense mm-hmm.
2: instead of instead of oh man you don't play your guitar anymore i wish you played your guitar you know instead of hey do you, i have i've noticed you haven't been playing your guitar I, you must have a good reason for that mm-hmm. shut up and listen right amazing we might find out
1: Right. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of, quote unquote, shut up and listen, you know, as the kids start to get to like that, say, 11, 12, 13, 14 year old range, the the vocal communication coming from them definitely seems to decline. Is there, or like be greatly reduced? Is there a way that we can help keep kids talking as we, you know, as they get into those years? And is that connected to like how we, you know, like maybe undermine the relationship as they're growing up?
2: Well, I think keeping young people talking is the same, very much the same as keeping men talking. Mm. Um, Since, you know, that's where I started,
3: right, right?
2: studying men. And it has to do with what will you do with what they said? Mm -hmm. So... If ever what you do with what they said is use it against them, game over. Mm -hmm. That's the end of revealing. And it could be used against them by um, telling someone else. Like they tell you something, and then you bring it up in front of their friends. Or they tell you something, and you tell one of your friends about it. And they're like, oh, it's so cute. Your mom told us about blah, blah, blah. So not keeping their confidences will have them stop talking and also throwing it back in their face Um, that like anything that they might have revealed that they needed or were worried about, or is that why you're so worried about such and such? Like it just, if ever anything they say is against them, human instinct is shut down, conceal anything that'll be used against you. And only reveal to people who can't hurt you or have proven they won't. Mm-hmm. And I think as um as parents I mean that's something that our I mean our kids you know, they're going through a lot because they with Greg passing away, they talk to him a lot.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And and they talked to him a lot because he was so safe to talk to. And He wouldn't. It wouldn't occur to him to tell me what they told him. He just like kept it between them. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh yeah. So dad and I were talking about that. Really, I didn't know that. Really, I didn't know that. And that was part of what had them keep talking. And and like when they were younger, it was usually Claire would come to me and say, you know, okay, mom, I got to tell you something, but you can't tell dad. And I would say, okay, you know how this works. If it involves your safety, I have to tell Dad. Mm-hmm. So, does it involve your safety? No. Okay, then I won't tell. And and then they would, she would divulge things to me about her life and things that were happening, and and I wouldn't tell her Dad. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
2: And and I, you know, I'd tell Greg. Claire told me some things today that I can't tell you, and you wouldn't want to know anyway. He's like, oh, thank goodness. I mean, he just never wanted to know, like, woman stuff, right? Right. (laughs) Just just prefer to think of them as little girls, even though he's watching them grow up. Or just did not want to know any of that stuff, and it's adorable. Yes. But, yeah, so the other thing that has them shut up is, even if we're not revealing them to somebody else or bring it back at them, is is they can feel being judged. They feel it. And I think what a lot of people don't know is that approval is as gross to a young person, even like a teenager. Approval is as gross as disapproval. Hmm. It's it, whether you're saying yay or nay, the fact that you're judging is, okay. yeah. And I think you and I talked about this before on your other show, but it, parents really think that approval and disapproval does something good. They think approval and disapproval influences. They even think approval and disapproval has the capacity to control. And Honestly, it just creates distance. Talk about undermining. It just makes it not safe. And support and encouragement and curiosity, those can all come without approving and disapproving. If we only support what we approve of, for example, Mm -hmm. right? Oh, I approve of that, so I'm going to support it. Right. Instead of, you know hmm, I wouldn't want to do something like that, but you want to do something like that, so this is how I'm willing to support it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Right? You don't don't have to go in a whole hog, but right. it, for support to be conditional to approval, oh, it's like a, something that chafes at young people. Like it's like a yoke. They want to free themselves up.
3: Okay. Uh, so
2: I think if that's one of the most invisible things that parents rely on that actually backfires.
1: Mm, very interesting. Wow. So we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we are going to go even deeper with Allison Armstrong.
0: up to your fullest potential this is the voice america empowerment channel whether you are dealing with your child's latest tantrum or disagreeing with your partner about finances you find yourself having conversations you'd rather not have every day It's easy to see why we'd rather avoid talking about it, yet putting off a difficult conversation today can lead to an even bigger problem tomorrow. How do you say what needs to be said and get the results you want without triggering their defenses and risking another disagreement that accomplishes nothing? It's time for a different approach. Robin's five-week course, Be Persuasive, How to Have Successful Conversations, outlines a step-by-step approach for the results you want from your most important and hardest conversations you'll discover how to have more harmonious relationships through better communication, raise difficult issues without backing others into a corner, maintain your focus, no matter how the other party reacts and resolve problems once and for all. Visit holisticsexedradio.com to find out more. That's holisticsexedradio.com. Are you looking for
2: a happier, healthier and more fulfilled life? Do you want your business to thrive? Do you want to enjoy better relationships and find your purpose? Tune in every week to Stepping into the Tenda Cheng Life Transformation with Dr. and Master Shaw, with host Diana Gold-Holland, who will share the wisdom of Master Shah. You'll
3: hear from inspiring teachers and listen to testimonials about life transformation. Stepping into the Tenda Cheng can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. in the West and 6 p.m. in the East on Voice America Empowerment
0: Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. You are listening to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. Want to go deeper into this conversation? Visit us on the web at holisticsexedradio.com. Now back to Robin
1: LaCrosse. So we're back here with Alison Armstrong and Allison, we just got done talking about ways that parents undermine their relationship with their kids and how it can be difficult for the preteen, early teen communication during that time period. So I'd like to kind of move into how can we talk to our kids about sex and like give them, because you know, sex is this beautiful thing, right? Yeah. When kids hear about it, like they get sex at school and, you know, it's all about fear-based, STDs, don't get pregnant. And I know that it can be really difficult for parents to like talk about intimacy and pleasure. I know you have a lot of experience with communication and relationships and that sort of thing. And so I just kind of wanted to pick your brain a little bit and see what information you might have for parents about this.
2: Okay, let's see. Well, I got really good advice when my son was born um, from a parent educator, and uh, and I <laughs> and the subject came up, and I said, "So when do you talk to kids about sex?" And she said, "Well, start now." And I'm like what? She goes, yeah, "For the first year of life, tell them everything about sex." <laughs> I'm like what? He's a baby. She says, yeah. But then when he asks you questions for real, you've already told him everything, and you won't be so nervous. <laughs> it was such funny advice. Like, practice. Practice when they're not understanding anything you're saying. Um, it was funny to me anyway. And- yes,
1: I actually think that's very funny. And I had a, a parent actually uh, a father joined my Facebook group recently, and he's got two um he's got uh i think a a two year old and one that's uh i think under one years old and I was like, oh, perfect then you're here at just the right moment, you know, so that's really wonderful <laughs> yes. yeah
2: I don't know about the two year old but the you know the one is probably fine, but she said the first year of life, and I think that was good. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. other advice that I got um I used to work with the Child Abuse Council in Orange County. And one of the ways that we set up our kids to, to, to struggle, to be self-conscious, to be even sexualized is, is we tell them too much. And so the rule of thumb was just answer their questions and answer their question to the extent that their question is and don't go beyond what they're asking. And I I mean, I I really wish my mom had heard that because Mm -hmm. I ended up being what they call, um, in child abuse, they call it highly sexualized. Mm -hmm. And I grew up in a very sexually charged environment between my mother and stepfather. When I, I started when I was 11 and, And my mom did the opposite. So my older brother is 13 months older. He would say things to me like, like he called me a boner. Mm
3: -hmm. So
2: I asked my mom, what's a boner? And she could have just told me, but no, she went beyond and beyond and beyond. (laughs) Not just what it was, but what it was for and why and how that worked and the whole thing. And I, I, I wasn't ready for that information, right? As, as 11, I just, my brother called me a boner, right? And then, and then, and then he, he started using the word dildo and I didn't know what that was. And I was on a chairlift with my mom and my brother was supposed to wait for me and he didn't. And I hollered down from the chairlift at the ski resort, you dildo. <laughs> <laughs> Cause he told me that it meant jerk right? And so my mom was like, what? And so, you know, once again, this wasn't what I thought. She could have just told me what it was. No, she went so far beyond what I needed to know at 12 years old about that. And it's something that parents do. I don't know, it's like somebody pushes a button and we just blah and say everything we know about that. And It takes self-control to just answer the question and, and wait and see if they have another question. And I think it's because sex, sex is titillating, right? It, it revs up an energy in us that's primitive. And, and so once it gets revved up because they ask a question about sex, they like, like the motor just keeps going instead of, okay, chill. Is there anything else you want to know? No, bye. <laughs> you know, right, I'm going to go play right. baseball. And, and so stopping ourselves and letting them lead the conversation, let them, if they have questions, have questions. And and then, um, aye, aye, aye. can I keep going? Because there's two sure, other things.
1: Sure. Yeah, sure.
2: Okay. So my son was 13. When he said, "I don't know where," he said, "Mom, why do boys want to have sex all the time and and girls don't?" You mm. <laughs> <didn't> know that. <laughs> <laughs> so he just asked me that, right? And he seemed a tender age to have that opinion already, but okay. Um, and he and he said, and I said, "Well, because." Boys can reproduce all the time, twenty-four-seven, and girls can only reproduce about thirty hours a month. Mm-hmm. There was a silence, and then he said, "So, how do you get them to do want to do it more?" <laughs> <laughs> and I said, um, "Hmm, be good at it." There you go. <laughs> and and I mean you have to understand this is from having listened to so many men tell me about how awful their first sexual experiences were yeah. how 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 messed up they were by what those experiences were like because they had no idea what they were doing and and so they failed they failed at it, and and they were, I mean, 20, 30 years old later, they're still trying to get over it, and we, we always think of girls and women being traumatized by sex. You don't think of that it happens to boys and men, and it does a lot. Most men's first experiences are not good, mm-hmm. and and so here's my son, and I, and I know he hasn't experienced this, and, and, and so he's asking this question, so how do you, you know have them to want it more? Well, be good at it. And then, of course, he said, how do you be good at it? Mm -hmm. And I just looked at him, and I said, I will tell you that when it's time. I promise I'll tell you that when it's time. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And he said, okay. And and then a few years later, he's like, so, Mom. (laughs) It's time. (laughs) So... So, mom, you know, you said you'd tell me how to be good at sex. And I said, yeah. And he's like, how about now? Like, okay, have you had sex? No. So what do you think is a a reasonable age for a young man to start having sex? And in my head, I'm thinking 17, 17, 17, 17, 17, 17, 17. And he said, 16. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would just take a deep breath. I said, okay. So when you turn 16, I will tell you how to be good at it.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: he goes, okay. And they just, you know, went back to life and a skateboard and everything. Okay. Then then he comes to visit me. He's living with his dad at this point. He comes to visit me. He's just had his birthday. We're having a date. I called, we had dates. You know, that's what I had with my kids, dates, one mm-hmm. on one. And we're having a date and we're playing the conversation game. And I'm like, okay, so if you could talk about anything, what would you talk about? And if you could have me talk about anything, what would you have me talk about? And he just pins me with these big brown eyes. And he said, I'd have you keep your promise. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They didn't even have to say what promise we knew what it was. Mm -hmm. So we were on our way, we were on our way to Starbucks and I, I got some napkins, you know, the the brown napkins at Starbucks. Mm Mm-hmm. And on one napkin, I drew the outline of a woman's body, and I numbered the erogenous zones. And and it started with her ear. And he's like, what are you doing with her ear? <laughs> 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 That's just what you say, Jeff. And then and then we progressed to, I, I, I drew a crop. And I, I did a whole anatomy lesson on, on women's equipment and, and how generally you'll find this here and then you'll find, so you find the G spot on the backside of the clit and you'll, you know, there's this and that right. and this is here and this is that. And, um, and, and every woman's different, so you can't assume it's here and there, or it's this big or that big. It could be like this, and it could be like that. And, you know, and teaching him about, you know, research stuff that I learned from Lou Padgett, and about how the clitoris actually has wings, like an angel has wings. Right. And, it's, right? and so, I'm just, we're just sitting there at Starbucks, and I'm just teaching him this stuff. And that was the extent of his interest at that time. It was just anatomy, right? He didn't mm-hmm there wasn't any what to do with this. It was just, this is what you're going to find. And it was so sweet. Cause at the end of it, he just, he just looked at me and said, thanks. Mm-hmm. And it occurred to me, Oh my gosh, he's like one in, I don't know, thousands of young men who actually had somebody teach him this.
1: Like, yeah, well, yeah. Most, most boys, their, their sex education is something along the lines of don't get her pregnant and then go out into the world and do your thing, you know? And so that's why they go to porn to figure out what women like, you know? And it's like, well, guess what? That's not really what women like. And I think it's, it's really wonderful that you took that time with your son to just go over some basics, you know, that's so much more than most young men get.
2: Yeah. And thank you. And it's, and then, and then the next place, the last thing I would say about it is have books, have books at like Lou Paget's books are awesome in the education they are, right? How to be a great lover, how to give her ultimate pleasure, um, the big O, right? These very healthy perspective, honoring, factual, I mean, she's just awesome at how she presents it. And seriously, talking to a parent about sex, I mean, I, you know, took years to be that safe for my son and to keep generating that as we were talking about sex. And, but if you just, if you have some decent books on hand, not, please don't have it be everything you always want to know about sex or afraid to ask. (laughs) I found that when I was 12 years old, and and what it imprinted me with was not good. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, there's a chapter on why do men go to prostitutes. Oh. Hmm. Yeah, that made a very big impression on me, and at an age when I had no business with the impression. So, it's, you want stuff, that are, stuff that's factual, not prurient, you know, and um, and if you have them, if you have them on your bookshelves, where they can be found um, by someone who's at that age to find it, then they can educate themselves and they don't have to be embarrassed. They don't have to reveal themselves. They could, and even especially if you tell them, okay, so see these books up here on the top shelf? That's so you can reach them, not your little sister.
3: Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. and feel free to take advantage of them if you have any questions I'm happy to ask I'm providing them so that you don't have to ask me questions but you still get an education um. <laughs> oh man at one yeah. point we actually changed the jacket
1: like- oh so it's kind <laughs> of like sit there in the living room in front of everybody reading the book <laughs> Uh Uh-huh. That's really ingenious. Yes.
2: Yeah, they look like Harry Potter.
1: (laughs) Uh (laughs) (laughs) Your neighbor comes over and picks one up and be like, whoa, this isn't Harry Potter that I expected. (laughs) Yeah,
2: well, I, I can't reveal where we actually put them to make them available for other young people. I thought I could probably go to jail for this making this information available to young people whose parents refuse to provide them with this information. But let's just say we changed the jackets and we put them in a place where where women you know, could find them while they were doing, you know, the horse version of sexuality. Right. <laughs> so yeah. Anyhow. It's just so please and, and I mean I'm glad you brought up porn because one of our graduates is she's seriously a hall of fame porn star and she does workshops for men to teach them how to be good in bed. And she starts with everything you've seen in the movies is purely because of it's visual stimulation for you. It does not feel good to a real woman. Don't right. do it. Right. Right? And then they're like, cause that's the extent of their education. It's a bad education yeah so I'm glad you brought it up,
1: yeah it's really important and you know, and it's kind of sad because not only is it not good education, but it can have unforeseen consequences, um you know, anything from find kids finding their way into child porn, which has happened on a few occasions and the government, the, the authorities monitor that kind of stuff, and there's been a few cases where the federal agencies, the law enforcement agencies, whatever, come knocking on the door to find out who in the household is watching child porn, and it turns out to be the teenager. And mm. they've become, like, sex offenders, you know, before they've even never had sex. Like, there was one, I think, in, in um, England who ended up a 12-year-old sex offender, and you know, that's, it's just terrible. So there can be legal consequences. And so I think it's really important for parents to let kids know that, that there is this stuff that is out in the world and it's not appropriate for kids and can have consequences that we don't foresee or expect. Of course, there's like the young brain being impressionable and the addiction that can come with the pornography and things like that too. So kind of scary. Yeah, and you,
2: I mean, you were talking in the beginning about how do we disempower our relationships mm-hmm. with our children and having sex be an unsafe topic mm-hmm. or an overdone topic. That's one of the biggest ways that we do it. Right? We're not, instead of being a resource for them.
1: Mm-hmm. How, and how can we be that safe resource? I think, I think there's a lot of it. Um, that gets tied up in with you know how we react, sometimes our parenting techniques, how we have our dialogue with our children. So there's definitely a lot of factors. Mm-hmm. Involved.
2: yeah, it goes back to approval and disapproval.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes,
2: You're bringing back memories for me. I remember yeah. telling my son about about the effects of ovulation on women. Mm-hmm. And, like, if she ever says you don't need to use a condom, right. you're about to be a daddy.
1: Yeah, and it's really true. Like, <laughs> I tell my clients the same thing. It's like, you know, estrogen is a powerful force. And, you know, when you are feeling sexy and juicy and, like, you're ready just to throw those condoms out the window and, like, you're, like, getting swept away in the throes of passion, it's like, um, yeah, that's estrogen and you're probably ovulating right now. <laughs> Yep, uh, it's so true. Estrogen hormones—they're a powerful force for sure. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah.
2: We, call it, we call
1: it the wave. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. It's uh, it's powerful. I mean, hormones cause children's bodies to mature into adults, and then when the hormones go away, you know, menopause. I mean, there's big changes, and yeah, hormones—they're just. They're really amazing. So Allison, um, I wanted to let people know how to get in touch with you. This has been really a great conversation. I appreciate you you know, being here with us today. And so I want to make sure that people know how to get in touch with you.
2: Well, getting in touch with me personally um, happens when people are doing our online courses. They
3: mm-hmm. I spend,
2: I spend about 12 hours a month with the people who are in our various online courses, um, just answering questions. And uh, it's one of my favorite things to do with them as they're going through their education. And all of that can be found at understandmen.com. Both our education for women about men, for men about women, for women about themselves, for men about themselves. Um, So the best things about having our courses online now is everyone gets to participate. We used to we used to have to segregate for it to be safe for people to learn. We don't have to anymore
3: because everybody's
2: already safe, right, in their own home Mm -hmm. or office. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, we have people participating all over the world, and it's it's one of my favorite things. Someone gets up in the middle of the night to ask me a question.
1: So people can basically join any of these courses at any time because they're online now. And then do you have like ongoing Q and a sessions for your students or how does that work?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So our understanding Men course, we call it live interaction. We do that every week and our understanding women course, we do it every other month, every other, every other, no, two times a month. And um, one of the things it's, people are doing now that's really productive is they do understanding men and understanding women at the same time and so when there's something in one course that like oh oh, i need to know more about that like women keep talking to women about honor yourself first honor yourself first and that's throughout understanding men because we'll contort ourselves right, in order to please men more, and that's a danger, and so we keep talking about honor yourself first, honoring yourself first, and they're like, how am I going to honor myself if I don't understand myself? Okay, I'm going to switch over to understanding women, and then I'm going to come back, and they're actually getting so much more out of the education by being able to do that, mm-hmm. and so, so men or women can start at either point, or they can start with both, and, and then it just keeps going on, and to have separate calls for people who are in sex and intimacy and love and commitment and separate calls for people who are in, are in our harder partnership or in being an extraordinary man or extraordinary woman and it depends on what they're working on and and then we talk and it's it's awesome and they're recorded and they get to download the recordings and listen to them as many times as they want
1: and- well, that's cool you know as you were talking about that and you know saying honor yourself and this kind of stuff I was like, oh, this sounds like something that might be really cool for, like, a teenager to go through, like, as you were talking about, you know, like, your partners, and then, like, you got to go figure out, like, what you want, what you need. And I was like, oh. So would you say that some of your courses are appropriate for teens, too?
2: Yeah. Um, my daughter started participating in our courses when she was 15.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: No, she's actually 13. She did the first one at 13. Jeff participated when he was 16 and 17. Um, what, the way I gauge it is if you let young people know what's available and then they're curious, they want the information,
3: mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm.
2: they just need to know. We talk, frankly, about sex because it's part of life. And to not talk about it, you know, as you and I are saying, it's a disservice. Mm-hmm. So as long as they know that. And so when I'd have a 15-year-old and understanding women, I'd be like, okay, so you're here with your mom. Tomorrow we're going to talk about female sexuality. It's going to happen after lunch. It's up to you whether you're sitting next to your mom when I'm doing that.
3: Right. I'm going to be
2: specific. I'm going to draw pictures. You're going to understand what's going on. And they, like, usually turn a little bit pink. Okay, thank you. <laughs> and then I'd notice whether or not they were sitting next to their mom the next day. And, um, but it, the thing that's cool about what we teach is that it has people not, it, it helps young people to stop thinking there's something wrong with them, mm-hmm. which is one of the ways that, that at any age we take ourselves out. Right? What's wrong with me? What if there's nothing wrong with you? What if there's a good reason for all the details a girl a girl gives? What if there's a good reason for why, as a young man, you say nothing? You're going to default to saying nothing most of the time, right? Why is it that you know the age that you're at that being loyal to your friends is more important than anything else? Why is it that you know the pillows are talking to you saying, "I'm crooked, um you're not crazy. That's mm. awareness, right? so the the normalizing of so much human behavior, I think is one of the most empowering things, and the sooner we get it, the better off we are,
1: yeah, no doubt for sure. Well, cool. Thank you so much, Allison. And I'm going to put your website on the show notes so everybody knows where to find you and can get there easily. And then I also have a little surprise for our listeners. You mentioned a couple times of our previous interview. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to make that interview available to people because it also was a really fantastic interview and so much great information. So I'm going to put a link there so people can go and sign up and download that interview too.
2: Thanks for doing that. I, I mean, we're talking about parenting and partnership. What a hot topic! And takes this conversation further. So, thanks so much for making it available.
1: Yeah, and you know, I mean, there's just so much that we can talk about. It's hard to cover everything in just one conversation with you. Like, the time just goes by so fast. And you know, <laughs> I just really appreciate you being here. And if you ever want to come back at any time, the door is always open.
2: Thank you. Thanks so
1: much, Robin. Well, thank you. I appreciate you and your time. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. And that was my conversation with Alison Armstrong. She's just amazing, isn't she? I just adore her. So you can go over to holisticsexedradio.com, and I will have a link over there for you so you can sign up and get a copy of that other interview that we were just talking about. That's from the Raising Empowered Kids online interview series. And yeah, just incredible, amazing interviews. So that'll be my bonus, my gift to you. So please do take advantage and enjoy that. One of my biggest takeaways from my conversation with Allison was how men often have a really lousy first experience. And I guess that's really not surprising because of the state of our sexual education in this country. So here at Sex Ed Radio, we endeavor to change that. Yes, indeed, we want all of our young people growing up, knowing and understanding their bodies and understanding how their partner's bodies work too. So we're gonna start with the adults and make sure that we all have this education so that we can share it with the next generation. So we're definitely gonna have conversations of this nature coming up here in the future. So something else I would like to share with you today in the spirit of knowing and understanding your body, I have a program that I put together. It's essentially, it's a PowerPoint presentation. And so if you would like to know everything that I know about the female body, which is quite a bit, I would invite you to check out this presentation. And it's for your education, but you may want to share it with your children there's some good images in there, some graphics that you can use to help demonstrate the location of the various female anatomy parts. You will find a deeper understanding of your body and cycle, which therefore leads to better sex, reduced risk of unintended pregnancy, and the ability to stay present during lovemaking. Because when you're not paranoid about getting pregnant, I'll tell you what, it does wonders for your sex life. You'll also discover all the things that I wish my mother had known so that she could teach me when I was growing up. You'll learn how your hormones can fluctuate each month. Allison and I talked a little bit about estrogen. You're going to learn a lot more about estrogen and the other hormones. And plus, you'll get a glimpse of anatomy and physiology like you just won't ever get in biology class. You'll discover all that you've been missing And if you have a daughter or a son, you can share this information with him or her. Because as we discovered with Allison's conversation, boys need this information too. So you can check out this resource on my website. That is holisticsexedradio.com. And I have that plus a lot of other great resources for you. Just scroll halfway down the page and you will see the links to that right there. So that's all for today. Thank you for joining me and I'll see you next week. Have a beautiful day.